Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. I'm back from the Witness Protection Program. Chris Graham here uh, on a podcast. We're going to talk uh, in this one about UVA basketball a lot. Uh, yeah, I've been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, no reason, uh, just uh, very busy uh, and, uh, you know, prioritizing certain things, trying to get my schedule uh, working a little better. And, uh, you know, I keep thinking I need to need to sit down and record a podcast, I need to sit down, especially with with UVA basketball going the way things are going. Uh, we're going to talk on this podcast a lot about uh, where things are. Uh, we'll focus on the Wake Forest loss because that's the that's sort of where we've, we we most recently saw things. And then we'll look ahead a little bit to Virginia Tech. I honestly haven't looked at Virginia Tech from a preview standpoint. We'll be doing that in the next few hours. Just I mean, literally, as I'm recording this, just got off. Uh, the ACC teleconference Zoom with uh, Coach Tony Bennett and um, got to listen in there, uh, a few topics coming up. Uh, nothing really revealing said this week. Last week, he broke the news about Dante Harris, just which was there's still no news about Dante Harris, and we're, there's still no news about Dante Harris. But um, uh, nothing really earth-shaking today uh, coming out of that uh, that, that Zoom uh, teleconference. Uh, so let's, let's go back and and go. I'll start with my five observations about the Virginia loss, most recent loss, uh, to Wake Forest, 66-47 down in Winston-Salem on Saturday. Virginia had the week off uh, after the loss at uh, NC State in Raleigh the previous Saturday, an another big uh, double-digit loss. In fact, all five losses this, this season for Virginia, if you're watching this, you know this, all by double digits. Uh, this one, a 19-point loss. Uh, and this one kind of felt very similar to the others in lots of ways. Uh, Wake led 12 to 4, 10 minutes into the game. Virginia started the game one of 14 from the field. Did get back to tie the game briefly on an Andrew Rohde jumper with 5.50 to go in the first half. It was just 14 14 at that point. Good defense, horrible offense. An 11 1 Wake run pushed the lead back up to 10. It was six at halftime. Wake opened the second half on a 10 2 run in the first three plus minutes, and the game never got back to within 12 thereafter. Uh, this Virginia team just seems to fall in that realm. When they, they're on the road, 0-4 on the road, 0-5. Well, let's see, 1-5 if you count the the, the two-point win over West Virginia. 1-5 away from JPJ, right? Um, uh, they But this team falls behind early uh, in games on the road and just can't figure a way back in. And that's a, that's been a theme this year for this team. Let's uh, let's start with the first observation. Jordan Miner looked fine in his first career start at center, and actually, that was one thing that Tony Bennett did address in his uh, Zoom teleconference just a few minutes ago for me as I'm recording this, um, just to say that uh, he thought Jordan played well, which you know the numbers would back that up. Uh, Nine points, five rebounds in 22 minutes. Uh, his first extensive action of the season. He had not played more than 12 minutes in a game all season long, and those were in some of those guarantee games early in the season. Um, you know, I, in my game preview, I had, uh, thought that Virginia, that Tony Bennett would go bigger. Wake Forest, uh, plays big. They've got a couple of six ten guys, uh, and then a seven, one guy, Efton Reed, the Gonzaga transfer that they'll play in the post and they pretty much play that. They don't go small very often. Small being what we call in basketball, going four guards around a big, uh, you know, when, when I looked at the lineup analysis, for Wake, um, you, you know, Steve Forbes goes big. Uh, he he stays with his two big guys uh, in the post for for the bulk, if not all, of the, the action, depending on the, the opponent. And so Tony Bennett started. Um, I thought he might start Blake Buchanan along with Jake Groves uh, in the front court and then, and then Ryan Dunn as a big guard. 
Uh, but uh, he actually went with Jordan Minor, and Minor again did well. Um, defensively, when I looked at the synergy numbers, uh, he did not give up a point. He he actually uh, in one on one matchups, uh, who the, the guys he was guarding zero for two. Uh, in his time on the floor, so you can't ask for anything better than that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, um, you know, the TV announcer said before the or during the game, I guess that that they were told either by Bennett or someone close to the program that uh, Bennett uh, went with Minor because Minor had a good week in practice. Tony then confirmed that post game uh, in his talk brief talk with reporters after. Um, And so, hey, you know, good good practice time earns Miner some time on the floor. He also talked about uh, in his post game, and then again today, how uh, Miner had had you know sort of earned some some more look uh, because of the way he played in the garbage time. Tony didn't use the term garbage time; that's my term. But the 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 end of the loss to NC State, Miner had played I think seven minutes at the end of that game and actually looked pretty good in that one. Six points, three rebounds in that one. Uh, The other bigs didn't do so much. Uh, Jake Groves has really been a struggle. Uh, he's been struggling of late. He only had uh, three points, made a three-pointer. He had four rebounds in 17 minutes. Buchanan did get a game. Buchanan started the game against NC State uh, more than a week ago, uh, and he played 22 minutes in that one, got four points and four rebounds. He got eight minutes uh, against uh, Wake Forest, uh, missed – Uh, all three of his shots, all three were um, mid-range mid jumpers, and uh, he had one rebound in his eight minutes. Leon Bond got some minutes in the post, the 6'5 the guy. And I've, I've said this a lot about Leon. His game is a 6'7 or 6'8 guy, but he's 6'5. And, you know, I, I can see him um, when a, in a different situation, <laughs> playing for a different team, maybe a team that plays uh, a four-guard lineup and he being one of the The four guards, he could he could uh, you know kind of do some damage as a post guy in a four guard lineup at six five, but I'm not sure in the ACC at six five he's going to do a lot. He did play some minutes in the post against Wake. Um, he shot the ball a lot. And he didn't shoot it well, two of seven, and he had four rebounds in his uh, 21 minutes off uh, on the floor. Um, so second observation: Ryan Dunn struggling again on the defensive end. This is not something we expect. Um, Ryan Dunn, we're told, is a lottery pick, uh, and I looked again this weekend just to make sure I hadn't missed anything. And every every uh, draft I looked at, not all not all of them has a lottery pick, but all all every single mock draft I looked at for twenty twenty four had Ryan Dunn listed as a first round pick, and several had him as a lottery pick, uh, a couple middle, a couple late lottery, and it's all because of his defense. His offensive game is nowhere near NBA level, uh, NBA ready. His defense is what his calling card is, and lately it's not. He's not been as good. Uh, you know, I noted in my game preview that Dunn had given up seven points uh, on two of four shooting in the loss at Notre Dame back on December 30th, and then nine points on three of five shooting in the loss at State last weekend. On Saturday, uh, the synergy numbers tell us that Dunn gave up 10 points on four of eight shooting uh, in his one-on-one -on -one, uh, guard situations on defense. So that's uh, that's three straight games. Uh, and in fact, I look back even a little further uh The, the Northeastern game, the 54-52 win that started getting us all thinking, hey, something's wrong with this team perhaps. They need to start working a little harder, uh, taking it a little more seriously. He gave up eight points in that game uh, defensively. So, you know, it's it's something. And, and you know, the issue then being compounded, uh, he'd had a couple of good offensive games uh, in the uh, Notre Dame and NC State losses. Uh, he did not have a good offensive game or not even much of an offensive game on Saturday at Wake. He shot the ball four times. Uh, he had a couple of free throws that hit every part of the rim. I've never seen 
back-to-back free throws hit that many parts of the rim and both go in. It bounced, the, 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 both hit the back iron, bounced straight up, bounced around, hit the backboard, everything else. But he made him. Uh, but one of four from the floor uh, in 23 minutes, and he had one rebound. That's really surprising. He'd had a couple of double-doubles recently. So just one rebound in that game. You, you know, he's an energy guy who plays defense, and he he had neither uh, in the loss of Wake. So um, that's that's all you can say there about, about Ryan Dunn. Andrew Rohde comes off the bench, kind of, sort of. Another thing I'd, I'd, I'd foreseen, I don't get to talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, knows anything uh, before games strategy-wise. Uh, we don't get the same access. Uh, I'm, I'm taking it aside here. We don't get the same access. I'm on the I'm on all the ACC media release list. Uh, I've you know Carolina. You 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 can you, you talk several times a week with Hubert Davis down at Duke. You get uh, all kinds of access to to the coaching staff there, players there uh, between games, after games, before games. Almost during games, right? Um, you get you get you, know, you get the the once a week thing teleconference when the ACC teleconference starts with Tony, and that just started last week. And then you get the post games with Tony. So everything I everything I try to write is is just me kind of guessing along with the team and, and with the coaching staff and what they might be strategizing. And I had strategized along with them in my game preview for Wake Forest that hey, you know if if, if Tony goes this way and goes big with his starting lineup. That means Rody's the odd man now. Well, Rody didn't start, but then he played 31 minutes. So that's pretty much starter minutes. In fact, he'd been averaging 29.1 minutes per game uh, going into that. So he he played his minutes. Uh, he had six points on three of seven shooting. He had uh, a rebound and two assists. Uh, we're just not getting the Andrew Rody that we were advertised. Uh, you know, and he's he's it's not for lack of it's not for lack of time on the floor. I just I've just mentioned he's averaging it's over 29.1 minutes a game now. He was a 17.1 point per game scorer as a freshman back at St. Thomas. Uh, he was the, you know, his league rookie of the year. We've gotten three double-digit games in 16 games from uh, Andrew Brody this season. And uh, the season high, just a 13-point game in the 13-point uh, effort in the win over Texas A&M, which seems so long ago. And what a great win that was. You know, that stretch between the Thanksgiving break and and uh, the exam break, that's that's the UVA seems to have peaked there, The the, you know, the Blowout win over Texas A&M. The blowout win over Syracuse. There was a guarantee game in there. Uh, but Rody, uh, since that game, since that 13-point effort, averaging 4.9 points a game, and he's shooting 30% from the floor and 22.9% from three. And he's still getting 30 minutes a game. I, I I can't figure this out for the life of me. Got some emails over the weekend after this column that I'm kind of using as my crib notes. Um where I, you know, I, I didn't say it, but I, I was wondering aloud, I guess you could say, uh, why Rody gets those minutes. And, you know, you got a guy like Elijah Gertrude sitting on the bench who isn't getting any run. Um, you know, I don't care what guys are doing in practice. If if we've got 16 game uh, uh, stat sheets and everything else to look at, tapes and everything else to look at and see that a guy's not doing anything, maybe it's time for a change. But, you know, that's just me uh, thinking that out loud. Uh, next observation, the fourth of my five observations, iMac, dear sweet iMac, man, I tell you what, he's shooting 48.1% from three. And, you know, at post game, we don't get a lot, we, we don't get any access to these kids except for post game situations. Um, and they, they give you two guys. You don't get to talk to, you know, <laughs> you get to talk to two guys, uh, as a media group. Um, so whenever they bring iMac in, uh, you hear him say he wants to prove he's more than just a three point shooter. 
And of course he's got to do that. You know, he's a, obviously 48.1%. He's a great three point shooter, but you know, you're not going to get to, to, to the next level uh, if you're just a three point shooter, you know, you got to be able to, because guys will just do what they're doing to IMAC right now, which is uh, focus their defense on him, stay with him, zone off of him, uh, you know, not leave him, not give him a sliver of a good look. Um, if you can prove that you can put the ball on the floor, if a guy closes out on you, you pump fake and get around them and get in the lane and make a shot, whether it's a mid-range shot or get to the rim, um, they'll, you know, you'll you'll get that extra sliver of light on the three-point line and it'll just make you that much more, more, more valuable. Inside the arc this season, so I mentioned 48.1% from beyond the arc. Okay, I wanted to preface that again. Inside the arc this season, overall, 33.3%, 20 of 60. And then when I broke it down, I went to the synergy numbers. 3 of 12 on shots at the rim, 1 of 5 on runners, 12 of 41 on dribble jumper. So when he does put the ball on the floor and tries to get either a mid-range jumper um, or, or get to the rim, he's he's not... He's not, he's not, a, a, so if you're a defense, uh, you, you know, your strategy, if you're a defender out there, let him dribble past me, <laughs> you know, he's not going to make it and he's not an assist guy. So that's the phase of IMAX game that needs to develop. No, no, no doubt about that. Uh, last observation. It's hard to be Reese Beekman right now. He is the only guy consistently playing now. He's just three for 12 from the field. He had a game high 10 points for Virginia, at least uh, in the wake loss, but um, none of the, I, I was curious. I went to the game, um, the, the, the game rundown, all of his, all of his 12 shots were jumpers, uh, either two point jumpers or three point jumpers, nothing at the rim. Uh, he had four assists tying his season low. It's kind of hard though, to do what you need to do to be Reese Beekman, you know, penetrate the lane and either dish off to a cutter like a, a Ryan Dunn for a dunk or to an outside guy, a roadie or a McNeely, obviously. Uh, for open three, if they're not going to make the shots, um, four four uh, assists. He had one turnover, which was early in the game, and then uh, it's you know it's just hard to be him right now. Uh, you can't pass it to yourself. Um, a lot of people reading a column I wrote. Uh, this was actually my the first story I wrote after the game. Uh, I, I'm not really writing game recaps anymore. I figure you've already watched the game. You can read a recap somewhere else. You're not coming to me to get the the blow by blow. Um, so I, I, I don't really do those anymore for, for the Virginia games. Um, I titled this one is time to push the panic button and not just on this season, but maybe on the future of uh, Virginia basketball. I mean, wake shot 50%. I didn't talk about wake at all yet here on this podcast, but in, in, so wake shot 50% as a team, Virginia had 10 guys on the floor. None of them were under 50%. The only guy who wasn't was Tane Murray. He made his only shot. So that's how bad things were. Virginia shot 28.1%, 4 of 14 on shots at the rim, 10 points in the paint, out-rebounded by 13. I can't believe this game was only a 19-point blowout loss, is, is honestly what I can say. It's the fifth double-digit loss of the season. Four of those on the road, there was on a neutral court that was pretty much a road game. Uh, the game down in Fort Myers against Wisconsin, where Wisconsin just had a ton of fans of that game. What's interesting about this team to me is that this team is just not a good team right now. And, it, you know, Tony Bennett so often is is a guy that makes his team better than the sum of its parts. And that includes some really good talented teams that had a sum of parts that would have been pretty good anyway without a good coach. Um, 
But even in his in, in the couple of off years you've seen, he's wiggled teams into tournament situations just because uh, he can he can make them better as a group than they would be just individually. But and the talent on his roster for an eleven and five team is it's it's among the best that he's ever had. Ten rotation guys right now. He's still figuring things out because eventually Tony's going to want to have it down to eight. But he's, he's playing 10 guys regularly right now. Seven of those 10 guys were four-star prep prospects. Uh, two of those guys are projected first-round picks, Ryan Dunn and Reese Beekman, in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, two of the uh, former three-stars uh, are guys who scored 17 points a game last year, transferred in. Uh, the third one is Jake Groves, who was a 40% three-point shooter uh, coming into this season. Um, and is not is not getting a lot here. Those two those two former three stars, Andrew Rody, Jordan Minor, uh, they both averaged over seventeen points a game last year. They're averaging a combined three point four points a game this year. I, I, that, yeah, that's uh, that's that, that that number is obviously not right. Rody's averaging a little bit more than that. I got to update that part of my story. Uh, uh, but uh, Minor uh, had nine points. It was his first start of the season. Um, Beekman had 10 points. I mentioned in the game, three of 12 shooting. Isaac McNeely, two of 10 shooting, eight points in the game. Dunn, I mentioned already, four points and one rebound in 23 minutes. Um, you know, I've been pushing back on the premise. Uh, our my colleague Scott German, and Scott's been around UVA basketball as long as anybody that writes about UVA basketball. He covered the first two Final Fours uh, in person. Uh, that Virginia was in back in the 80s. What was it, 1981 in Philadelphia, 84 in uh, Seattle. Uh, he's been on, you know, he's been around this program since he was a little kid. Um, he's the guy who brought up first uh, after hearing the whispers from folks like him that he's known for 40 or 50 years that have been around this program that, hey, maybe this is the end for Tony. And he wrote a couple columns uh, to that effect. And, and I was pushing back against that because it just, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I see it, you know, that, that, that Tony Bennett would want to throw the towel just because of NIL, the transfer portal, all this stuff. Um, but what's odd about this team is, well, I mean, other, I've gotten some, some people who've, who've given me some, some, um, I, I want to say pushback, just, just comments on this column in the last couple of days, saying, yeah, we kind of see it. This team throws in the towel. I, I mentioned that in the column. Um, Tony doesn't seem to have the fire. You know, remember back some of the previous years, the 2019 year particularly, I, I remember the Duke game. I mean, he was – Tony Bennett usually is a guy that's very calm, cool, collected on the sidelines, and he wanted to win some games so bad that he was risking technical fouls. I mean, and not not because he, you know, sometimes a coach does a, 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 tries to get a technical foul to get his team up. He was a different guy uh, that season, and he's we, we've seen fire out of Tony. Well, I don't think we're seeing the fire out of Tony this year. It's almost like, eh, yeah, it's not working out, you know. And and that's that's odd. Uh, that's really that's really weird. And his, and his team, as a result, is kind of I don't know. You know, it's like they're taking that that approach themselves. There's no fight. There's no hunger. You know, what I would want to see from, I mean, my limited experience in sports myself, but also just in life, I sit here all day at Augusta Free Press. I'm, I'm looking at what 
I'm writing, what my writers are writing, you know, my, my news writers and then my sports writers. And I'm looking at numbers all day long to see how, how we're, we're resonating in the, in the reader base and that kind of thing. And on good days, I'm happy. And on bad days, I want to work harder and, and get happy. And on, on some of those days when the numbers aren't so good, I, I'm a little offended. Like, Hey, we wrote some good stuff here. What do we got to do to get people to read it? You know, I'm a little pissed off. I want to see this UVA basketball team when they're down double digits uh, again. Hopefully it never doesn't happen again. But if they're down double digits, I want to see them pissed off that they're not playing better. I want to see them look around at their teammates and say, come on, guys, let's, let's, do, let's do this. You know, we're not seeing that right now. That's that's the that's the we're just seeing resignation. And, you know, I, 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 I am not one who, like some of the folks who've written me and, and I think that Scott has intimated in his columns, I don't think Tony's checked out. I mean, this is a guy, and I wrote this, uh, a Midwestern guy, and his Midwestern values tell him you got to earn that money, you're getting paid. I had somebody write me from Idaho to tell me, well, Pullman isn't in the Midwest. Uh, you know, I had to write him back to say, okay, so Tony's job before UVA was, was at Washington State out in Pullman, but he's a Wisconsin guy, born and raised. Um, that's Midwest. So, um, but he's not going to want to go out like this. His buddy Jay Wright, who left the game after 2022 Final Four, took his Villanova team to the Final Four. He's he stepped away from basketball and he said he's not coming back. And, and he was frustrated at the way things are in terms of the Wild West of of how you have to reconstruct your roster every year because of the instant transfer portal um, and the NIL, you know, kind of changing things up there as far as that goes, having to re-recruit and re-recruit your, your roster every year. Uh, but he at least left after a Final Four run. That's that's the way to go. If you're, if you're going to say, hey, I'm frustrated, do it like Nick Saban. Nick Saban is not saying publicly that it's, you know, the way things are changing, but you know it is. Uh, and he went out after a playoff appearance. I mean, go out that way, right? Um you don't want you don't want your you know your legacy if things were going in this direction, which I don't think they are. But if they were, you wouldn't want them to be on a bad season. That would make it look like you're just giving up. Um, I will say that I remember thinking it's it's been five years, almost five years um, since the Final Four in 2019. I'm looking around to see. Uh, I've got some memorabilia here behind me uh, from from the Final Four. I'm trying to look around here to see if it's visible, um, and I can't believe it's not right now. I'm probably sitting in front of it, but I've got confetti from the floor that I picked up on my way out of um, the the football stadium there where they played the games, and and um, got a, that, that signed basketball from Tony back there. And uh, I think my shoes that I wore on the floor, I retired them because they touched the floor that. Where Virginia won the championship. I left that night thinking, man, there's going to be four or five more of these. You know, there's, there's, this is the, this is just the first. This isn't the last. You know, and it's not anything that it's, it's not, it's not Tony's fault that things changed so dramatically. I mean, COVID came, uh, NIL, the transfer portal with guys being able to play immediately after transferring. Um, it's, it's changed the way the game is played for everybody, not just for Virginia, obviously, but for Virginia, Tony Bennett's a, a guy that has a coach, his system is, uh, is established. You know, it's, it's where he, he, to learn that pack line defense that he, he loves to play. Um, and for obvious reason, it's had a lot of success over the years. You've, it takes, it takes a lot of repetition, not just practice repetition, but game repetition. It can take a couple of years for guys to really know what they're doing. And then for a unit to gel, in playing it together. And that's why when you, you know, when you see the teams that Tony's had that were successful, 
it's teams that were it's where the guys stuck around. You think of the first run of the great Tony teams, you know, Malcolm Brogdon uh, and Anthony Gill and London Parentes were together with Justin Anderson for, uh, and then Joe Harris for, you know, a core of that group was together for three years <laughs> and, and they had a lot of success during that three year run. And then, the 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 run of the guys that eventually won the title in 2019, Kyle Guy, uh, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, uh, those guys had you know by the time they were uh, in their third year, that was you know that's when they won the title in 2019. They'd been playing that together for you know DeAndre only played two years; he registered the first year, but they you know they played together for a couple of good years there, and and uh, Ty and and Kyle had played together for three years, and so it's. It's it's at the end of those cycles where Tony's teams are the best ready to play championship level basketball. We've not had a team that's been together that long really since. I mean, you know, we the when you start thinking about guys transferring out, transferring in, that started around the COVID era. And, you know, last year's team won 25 games, won won a share of the ACC regular season title got a number four seed in the tournament, lost in the first round on a, on a miracle three-point shot with a couple seconds to go. But, uh, you know, that's – and then you see this year's team. There's a lot of talent, but there's a lot of youth outside of Reese Beekman. Uh, you know, even Jake Groves, who's a senior, the other, the other older guy who plays a lot, uh, this is his first year in the system. There's a lot of new guys in this system. And so, you know, as much talent as there is on the floor, they're still learning – they don't know how to play the pack line as well as the coaches that we're going against in the ACC know how to play against the pack line. Those those coaches are better at strategizing against the pack line defense than right now the Virginia kids are at playing the pack line defense. And so, you know that's a that's a dis, that's an obvious disadvantage for Tony Bennett. And also, this it's similar on offense. His offense is something that you know Tony doesn't really call a lot of plays. I mean, coming out of a timeout or. If he calls a timeout instead of a play, you'll see a, a play called perhaps for for a guy. But it's a motion type offense, you know. The mover blocker signs offense. It's it's read and react, um, you know. It's and, and then even the the triangle offense is it's basically decisions made by the players. There's no, there's no, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a pick and roll and and, and get the ball to done here. You know, it's. Uh, during the flow of the game, it's you know Tony's not holding his hand up one or two or whatever, and and then that runs a play. It's it's it, it takes so it takes a lot of guys getting reps both again in practice and in games to be able to play it well. It's uh it's 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 something they gotta just just you know get with with years of experience. And this era year, I you know it's hard to say you're gonna get years of experience. It's it's hard to say that this year you're not seeing years of experience. Um, and you, you know, if, if I keep wanting to see and waiting to see this team, you know, it, I, the talent is there. I think at some point it's going to gel and it's going to be uh, hard to beat. But is it going to be soon enough to make it so they don't have to go to Washington, ACC tournaments in Washington this year, without having to win the ACC tournament? Probably winning four games to do so. Um, because I at this stage, there's you know, unless they go on a hot streak, there's no at large bid for this this UVA team. Five twenty five double digit losses, three by twenty points, the other two by sixteen and nineteen. I mean, it's gonna take a long winning streak to overcome that. So say all that to say, uh, you know, we can worry about what comes later later. I know that's a focus for a lot of folks. Hey, how do we you know, how does Tony manage the next few years? Well, let's just get through this year. 
Um, that's, <laughs> that's the, that's the thing I'll say there. Um, there's one more column that you might be watching this for to hear me talk about. Um, my tweet from NIL booster exposes the semi underbelly of UVA basketball recruiting. I think that one deserves its own podcast. So I am going to, uh, delay that one to tomorrow. Um, we'll, we'll probably merge that one with the, the Virginia tech, uh, preview that I'll do. Cause I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm out of the witness protection program. I'm going to be back talking more regularly. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do that one tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, if you have uh, any questions for me, any points to make, you want to call me a dumbass. <laughs> I haven't had that yet from the last few columns I've written, but this it happens. Right. So that's okay. Um, email me at Chris at Augusta free press.com.